everyone. Welcome to Parenting Today. Uh, we will continue our discussion with Joe Deegan. If you tuned in on Tuesday, you know we're talking about music, and we're continuing that today, getting into some of the, the elements of the fall, as well as some resources that can be helpful. Uh, we'll also talk about a hang gliding incident that you should check out on the internet, which is very interesting. Uh, don't forget that the local youth worker has Justin Holcomb on it this week, and we are airing episodes of the RYM Student Podcast on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So check those out. Here's our conversation with Joe. Uh, welcome back to Parenting Today. Uh, my name is Kurt, and we are continuing this discussion. I've got with me, as always, my co-host, John Parrott. Say hello, John. Hey, Kurt. And uh, also with us is uh, Joe Deegan, the infamous Joe Deegan, who you just heard playing music. Hello, Joe. Hey, guys. Uh, we are continuing a conversation that we started on Tuesday about music. And we talked a lot. We kind of went you know, all over the place, uh, which Shocker. is mostly my fault. Mostly my fault, I'll admit, uh, when we got to talking about music. Uh, but as we ended the conversation, John was talking about kind of the dark side of truth and uh, about how um, the fall is reflected in music. And I guess that's where we're going to pick up now uh, with Joe is, Joe, talk to us a little bit about how, um, maybe expand a little bit further on how our sin affects the music that we create, the music that we listen to, what we enjoy, um, all of those things. So I'm just going to hand it over to you. Well, we talked about this some uh, last time about how um, – you know, I think music needs to be honest and needs to tell the truth uh, about what this world is like. And I think that what John uh, hit on with, with sometimes the dark side of truth, that, that we can sometimes truth can be a can be a bummer. And that's exactly you know what the fall teaches us. And I think that one of the worst things that, that music can do is to kind of glorify the brokenness and, and glorify the the ugliness in in, in such a way that kind of makes it seem like like uh, like this is actually something good that you should strive for and I think we see that in a lot of just a lot of music out there really kind of tells that story and, and so I think that's a, a big um, a big part of the fall in the music that we hear today. And I think an, another thing, just even in the music itself, I, I said earlier that music needs to be honest. I also think it needs to be excellent. I think there's, um, there is a standard of beauty in this world because there is a beautiful one. And I think that, I don't think that that standard of beauty has anything to do with style or genre. I think it has to do with, like the excellence with which we create our music. And I think there is plenty of music out there that is just kind of put through the commercial process that's that's not done with any sort of like excellent artistic um, vision in mind. It's just done to sell records. And, and so I think you can you can look at you can look at that kind of music and and see that there there's something lacking sometimes in that music you hear and that, and that could be 
pop music, uh, even Christian music at times. That, that can be all sorts of music that I think is just um, done with without that um, standard of excellence that you would want from uh, an artistic standpoint. Yeah, that that's good. I mean, as you kind of opened, as you start with started off with that of just sometimes life in this world is a bummer, <laughs> and, and you know it's the the gift of music is that it can resonate with that and mm. affirm kind of some of those feelings that uh, what we're thinking about. I mean, you know, I, I stumbled upon a Desiring God article last week, and it's uh, it's entitled "May His Cancer Heal Millions: uh, The Grandeur and Grief in Losing Tyler" is the the subtitle. Mm. It's a pastor lamenting. Losing, I think this this young man was 20 years old, dying of cancer, and he just said, you know, when my heart is overwhelmed with this uncomfortable paradox of, you know, the beauty in creation as well as the brokenness, he says, I'm grateful uh, that the Bible has a language I can use called lament. And you think of just kind of lament and music there, and kind of tapping into again what, what you what you just uh, said, and, and getting into to some of the ways in which we can critique music and some of the ways in which music can be a little on the, you know, not beautiful side. Can, can you give us, I mean, just as we're getting this, this conversation about the fall, um, what, what are some of those ele- um, elements and maybe even how you teach your children of, hey, children, this is what makes a song beautiful and this is what makes it not so beautiful. Can you talk to us just a little bit more about that? Well, going back to what you said earlier, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here too, because this is more the redemptive side of things, but how sometimes music can resonate with the sadness and the sorrow that we feel. And and I I was thinking about my favorite Pixar movie, Inside Out, the the sadness character. She's almost shown as the villain at the beginning of the movie because she's just messing everything up. But as the movie goes on, you start to see not just how necessary she is, but she's actually the hero of that story. Mm-hmm. There, there's something about sadness that that um, brings us to a place of healing. And music, I think, can really um, music can help us feel sad in, in ways that a lot of uh, a lot of things can't. And even the music in that movie, like, uh, kind of expands the sadness inside of us. And and so I I think that that music um, can sometimes tap into that emotion really well. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But back to the, really the question you just asked about, like, how do we, what was, what what did you just ask? (laughs) No, no, no. That's that's good. Cause you, you hit on just an important um, aspect of lament and the sadness in life, but, but even trying to Kind of as we're thinking about the fall and how it affects music as well. Kind of the, what what is it, what are some things maybe some bullet points of uh, this is what makes a song not beautiful or not honoring to the yeah. Lord. This is what makes a song kind of cheap and cliched even. Um, and, and what what are some elements that make it more you know timeless or and even you know do you communicate these things to your children? Do you have conversations of hey here is good art and here is bad art? Just something along those lines. Is that is there a question in there? Is that clear? Yeah, I, rambled. I think it's hard to to say stuff like that across the board. I, I'll think of one example. I was talking about this with my wife the other day, and it's just like stuck out to me. What's the the Hugh Jackman movie, The Greatest Show, The Greatest Showman? What's it called? Is it the, greatest the Greatest Showman. showman. Okay, <laughs> there's I, that's got a lot of really fun 
music on there. Our kids listen to it all the time. They dance to it, and uh, and they love it. There's one song on there, the This Is Me, where the bearded lady is singing. Okay, the, <clears throat> it's a beautiful sounding song. It's uh, Okay, this is an example of what I was saying with the plot and the story. I think the plot of that song is just positive. It's uplifting. It's like the kind of the kind of stuff you'd want to hear. But I think if you really dig into the story of that song, like there's a line in there where she says, um, I know that I deserve your love. There's nothing I'm not worthy of. Like that, like I don't want to teach that to my kids. You know, I want to teach them that that's not actually the truth. Hmm. And, um, and so I think that that's an example of how really you'll see, you'll see that story, that story of I, I'm worthy of, all of your love and uh, being who I am on the inside is like the most important thing in life. Like that, that's really the story of a lot of our culture and, and even a lot of the music that, that you'll hear today. And I, and I think that's, I want to be careful, like labeling stuff is dangerous. Cause I mean, we listen to that music in our house. I, I, I just, I just want to say, I think it's important for parents especially when listening to this music to really see the story underneath the plot and to really um, just be aware of the kind of stories that these, these songs are telling, because I do think there's some, some brokenness uh, in that particular story as well as many other songs out there. I'm jumping in because I, I mean, I've been talking a lot and I want to give it to Kurt, but I think you're right to use the word dangerous there the language dangerous because because of he's saying music is so powerful and i'd say the yeah. same about movies we we can as parents and should expose our children to certain levels um of you know music and movies that you know communicate an opposite worldview um, but teach through that but being cautious because mm. if we just allow them to absorb those messages without thinking about it it is dangerous because they are subtly communicating yeah. again a worldview that, that we're opposed to so again just i think you're pro you're right to use the language of of dangerous uh, well I, I heard i heard tim keller say this one time he said that we're we grow kind of like a tree like the the rings like you cut a tree open and you see the rings that the, uh, um, that in other words, the older we get, the more we can kind of add stuff to our lives, like maybe books that have like different worldviews or music that we may not, you know, we disagree with the story of that, that song or the worldview. We can kind of add that to our outer rings and actually like let it be something that helps us grow without affecting us at our core. But the younger we are, the less rings we have around us, like the more that stuff can actually like attach itself to our core and who we are. And so I think that's, you know, in light of what you just said, that's where you kind of have to be careful with the dangers of, you know, throwing these stories on our kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to mention, um, I was, well, I was thinking about the greatest commandment. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jesus says that the law is summed up in these two great commandments. And one of them, the first one, the greatest one is, um, to love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and all of your strength. And I was just thinking about how singing is one activity that combines all of those things. I believe I read that Mm. in, 
That's interesting. I can't remember what book I read it in, so I'm sorry. I've read, I'm not bragging. I just read several books recently, all on the same topic. And so I can't remember exactly who said, who wrote it, but someone did besides me. But they said that, that singing in particular is, uh, is, is one activity where uh, we engage all those aspects of our being, um, mm. that we have to engage our mind, our heart, our soul, and our strength in order to sing and to sing well. And I was just wondering, what do you say to a student? What do you, or what do you, maybe one of your children is like this, I don't know, but what do you say to a student who says, well, I just can't sing. I, I can't sing, I don't sing. What would you say to someone like that? I'd say go go watch Elf. Will Ferrell teaches you how to sing. <laughs> now, I mean, I think we everybody did not expect that. Did, did not expect. <laughs> that, that's no, everybody. That's it's deep. just raising your voice, and you know, it's it, you just there. Everybody can sing, and nobody, not everybody can sing well. But I, I don't think that uh, that matters. I think that. I mean, this is a quote I've heard over and can, over. Can again. I be sarcastic for a second? Well, of course it doesn't matter to you. You can sing well. <laughs> no, I'm saying like even in that's a like the rich person. I mean, honestly, Jay, I don't want to like get into an argument. But that's like the rich person being like, money doesn't solve any problems. Well, okay, man. Um, you know what I mean? That's real easy for you to say, Puff Daddy. You know, like. Well, then so. why would you ask me that question? <laughs> I just wondered what I mean. Like, I think. I think that people should sing. I think it's good for them, you know. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to know. I can't sing really well, so I want to hear from someone who can sing really well. Like, you know, what is the encouragement that you give to people um, to sing? And let me do a follow up question too. On top of that, which is this: How much of you mentioned that you listen to like produced music um, with your kids, which I think we all do. You know, my son really likes Elvis and the Beach Boys, and so we listen to that a lot in the car. Um, and I don't know how he got on them. I guess his grandfather <laughs> influence. But like, how how do you balance? Do you do you even think about like balancing like uh, singing uh, or listening to like produced music versus singing like music yourselves as a family? Mm. You know, how, walk me through that a little bit. Well, I think the first the first question. I, I think you know, the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Doesn't necessarily have to be um, on pitch. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, that, uh, you know, singing is a beautiful thing. I I, I do, I do think I will say again, back to the striving for excellence thing. I I think music education is important. I think trying, I think you can train your ear and your voice to sing better. And, and I think that that is something that people should strive for and, and, and work to try to, become you don't have to have like a beautiful voice but i think singing on pitch is is something we should all strive for and especially in church because because i think that's um that's part of uh growing to be who god made us to be as as musical beings uh but i think that the what was the second part and the second part is just like how do you balance between listening to oh yeah even if it's produced worship music versus like listening to um like singing yourselves, like you just getting the guitar out and be like, okay, we're going to sing this song together as a family. Yeah. You can do that. We do, we do that some. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll get the guitar out and sing or, or play piano. But I think that mm-hmm. even, uh, even just singing acapella with, with your kids is a really fun thing. We, we do that all the time. And, and it's so fun to, honestly, I think for little kids, that's like the best thing you can do is just kind of take away the instruments and, 
because that can actually kind of be be clutter to them sometimes. I think when you really want to like teach them to love music, just singing a cappella and and letting them hear like the melody and the pitch and the rise and fall. Like I was in in bed with my three year old the other night, and he actually has a pretty good ear for music. But I was I was singing a song with him, and I was kind of raising and lowering my hand as if like like following the pitch just to kind of teach him like hey you hear like it goes up higher here and it goes lower and then uh i did it a second time through and i i did the wrong thing i went high when it went low and he corrected me like he could hear it he, he said no daddy go your hand goes low here like so i think did you, did teaching... you ground him after that <laughs> no i was just Show super impressed actually john doesn't <laughs> let his kids make eye contact with him so it's gonna be difficult for him seen but not heard right but I think, I think singing a cappella is actually a great thing to do because it takes away kind of all the, the harmonies and other instruments and just lets them hear the melody and the pitch and it's simple and they they love singing a cappella with you. And so I think that's that's awesome. That, that's really helpful. Um, a question really for, for Joe and Kurt. I'd love for both of y'all to, to chime in on this. Uh, what are some uh, – Kurt shaking his head now. What are, what are some cultural trends – in the music realm that that are concerning to the two of you maybe where again the effects of the fall here i mean some of it joe could be the fact that people are maybe more consumers of music and not you know growing mm. their musical abilities or singing or whatever but maybe i mean again kurt or joe um, what, what are some thoughts on uh, ways in which we need to be i mean as we are you know passing the faith on to the next generation and we're saying music is vitally important to christians uh, what do we need to be doing a better job and what are some uh, ways in which i mean the culture might be steering our students and children in a negative direction well I I think about the music that I listened to when I was a kid was all the stuff my dad liked. <laughs> I didn't really get much of a say in the music that we listened to on road trips and stuff. And I look back on that and I'm super grateful for it because my dad liked a lot of really good music from back in the like 60s and just like awesome, awesome music that I love now and that I, I kind of developed my ear for it back then. And, and so I think that, I think it's okay as parents to kind of, say, you know what? I've lived longer than my kids. I, I, I know more than them. I've experienced more. And I, I want to help them develop their own taste. Like I, I had um, my friend, John Trapp, who y'all know very well. John, John's a very funny guy. And he told me one time that he's, he's his eight-year-old son, Owen. He's trying to like develop Owen's sense of humor based on his. Like He's trying to like steer him to, to the things that he thinks is funny. Like I think that's okay to do as parents, to to say this is the kind of music that I think is actually really good and I'm just going to kind of force it on you and we're going to mm -hmm. listen to it in the car and and I and I think that like kids might roll yeah, their that, eyes that, uh that Elvis Presley, he was pretty good, but he's no Imagine Dragons. I mean, come on. <laughs> but seriously, like, I think that kids are going to want to listen to what their friends are listening to, and they will find ways to listen to that music. So I think the more we can actually force our music on them, I think the better they'll be. Uh, I was going to add to that. I think um, I mean, I, this could open up a whole can of worms that we don't have time for. But um, I we're, think we're that... We're on time right now. Well, let's be careful when I say this, but uh, I know what book I, I read this from as I was reading um, The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. 
and he was talking about seeing as a family. And he said that the more amplification and the more that we rely on, um, you know, a host of instruments and microphones and the best singer singing for us, the worse we get at worship, um, that we get worse at worship, that we get worse at singing because we're allowing the best people to sing for us and we're barely singing. And, um, uh, and you know, there's a lot to talk about there about what worship music ought to sound like. And, you know, I don't think that there's any one, I don't think the organ is holier than acapella or the acapella is holier than, you know, guitars and drums, you know, like obviously, you know, or that any of those are holier or less holy than a symphony, you know, none of that. I'm not trying to make that case, but, um, uh, his argument was, is that we're getting lazier and lazier about how we sing, uh, corporately in worship. And that it's causing us to um, to only um, to be uncomfortable to sing on our own, to do things like to sing a cappella with our kids. I, I'll reveal now that um, one thing that my wife and I do is anytime that any of our kids or any of us say word like say something and it happens to be from the lyrics of a song, we just start singing the song. Um, mm. We just do. Um, it's just something that we laugh about, um, and we love to change the lyrics of songs too for our kids. You know, uh, my my kid. Uh, my my older son Campbell, he really liked the song "Yellow" by Coldplay. He heard it and he just thought it was good. And my wife started singing it to him all the time, except she would change the words um, to make it about him and about what he was doing. And so, and then he would ask me for to, for me to play it, and um, then I would sing the real words, and he'd be like, "No, Daddy, this is how it goes." And he would sing the songs about him. Um, and that's not look. We don't do everything right. That's not me bragging about us, but like because we probably do too much produced music, but. That's something that I think we can't have this conversation about music and not talk about the fact that we're kind of abdicating our role as worshipers and saying, okay, we'll just let the experts worship in our stead. And I think that's problematic. Well, I think back to what you said about like the singing with our kids in the house and the not produce music. So my, uh, the guy who produced this last album for us, Josh Moore, um, he, for the, he produced the RWAM worship album. He's accomplished songwriter. He used to play with the band called Caveman's Call, and he was telling me that one of the things that he um, that he does to try to teach his kids songwriting is that he's constantly just making up nonsense songs all day long and singing it to them, and trying to get them to do the same. Like, like instead of just brushing your your teeth, like get your kids to sing a song about brushing their teeth, or get your kids to sing a song about climbing up and down the stairs, or something like the more you actually get them to do that, it actually stirs up some creativity in them. And uh, I didn't realize how much I do that in my own house. My wife said that one day, she always jokes about how I'm constantly singing nonsense songs at our house. And one day at the end of the day, we got in bed and she said, hey, can I tell you something? I was like, what? I thought I'd done something wrong. She said, so I've been counting all the times you sang today. And not the same song, but different songs. You sang 34 different songs today <laughs> that were all completely made up. And she legitimately counted from morning to, to evening. And and uh, did you did you jump right on her and be like, honey, love does not keep a record of wrong. <laughs> did, you, did you just hit her with that immediately? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think that teaching our kids to just sing sing what they do is is a really good step towards helping them be more creative and more musical. 
That, that's really good. I mean, this is helpful again as we're, we're kind of getting into the redemption a little bit. And okay, how do we pass on you know love and appreciation for singing? Um, something again to, to get back to. Y'all, you guys brought up Imagine Dragons. Um, let's get specific on on some music. You know, I've done this with with movies a lot with my children. Um, I've just you know being somewhat harsh. You know, of just kids. That's garbage and you don't even need to waste your time you know seeing it because it's just i mean even if it's like you know i'm just throwing this out like lion king you know two and a half or whatever i know they came up with some things i'm like kids disney's just trying to make money off of this and lion king was very successful and well done and now they're just kind of trying to 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 play off of that and you know kind of trying to highlight the fact that sometimes you know these um uh, you know, the movies or music produced are just only for money and not really creativity. And so I guess all of that to say when a pop song comes out where the entire world's just jumping on it, it's popular for a reason. I mean, there's obviously something that's resonating in our culture. Uh, what, what kind of conversations do you have with your children of kids? Look, this is fun to sing and it's kind of, you know, poppy, upbeat, all that stuff, but it's garbage at the same time. Do you have just kind of those candid conversations with your children? I mean, Kurt or Joe on this. I, I like Imagine Dragons. I was I do I was too. About I do them. too. I like them, um, but, but but I wouldn't say that they're the most art. They're they might be a flash in the pan. I don't know if they're going to be here. You know, five years from now, I'm just throwing that out. But they're more they're pop for sure. Kind of more you know in the I don't know popular culture. John hates culture. Imagine Dragons. There we go, guys. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> not accurate. We love them in our household for sure. Um, but. Oh. John listens to secular music in his household, guys. There we go. <laughs> My children only know uh, the, the Salter uh, <laughs> acapella, so they never heard of any of this. Okay, so uh, no, apart, okay. apart from Kurt's kids like knowing the Westminster standards and having them all memorized. Okay, <laughs> we might have to edit all this out, but I'll say something while Joe thinks of a more reasonable response, um, which is, that I always try to find the good in the music that my children and my students in my youth ministry like. In fact, I will actively ask my students to send me songs. I will say, um, send me um, send me songs on Spotify that uh, that you like or that you listen to. And some of them I have to say, okay, well, that's trash. Um, okay. And for some of them I say, okay, well, here's something that's good about that. And it's not just about the lyrical content. I mean, that's part of it. That's certainly part of it. But also there's some really great songs with poor lyrics and some really great lyrical songs with terrible music behind it. And yeah. it's a combination of all of those things. Um, you know, the reason that a song is catchy is because it's well done. A, so- a bad song is not catchy. Um, but, you know, Baby Shark is catchy for a reason. It's a silly song. All right. And the lyrical content isn't something that's really, uh, uh, we're not, we're, we're not, I don't think it's going to stand the test of time, but, I would say that Baby Shark, there's something to it. There's a reason why people can't get it out of their heads, and that's an art in and of itself. So that's just one part of it that I talk about. So I, th- I think you're spot on. I think that, A, there's no such thing as a perfect song. There might be some that are close. But uh, <clears throat> I think that what Kurt just said, that there's, I think most of the songs we hear, you can find good and bad in all of them. And so you kind of got to look at the scales and see, you know, which ones tip more towards towards the good and the well done as opposed to the the trashy. I think that's 
that's something to keep in mind too. Yeah. And also, I mean, you think about it, there's a, we're talking about a spectrum, but like, you know, I use baby shark as an example because people know that song. It was like a YouTube sensation and it's also a children's song, but baby shark is a dumb song, but it's a fun song and it's harmless. All right. Like it's just, there's nothing really, uh, insipid or, you know, insidious about, baby shark it's just a song mm. there is something a little insidious about like a song like teenage dream which by katie perry which is also a fun song it is a really fun song but there's also that they're not there there are also some problems with that the message of that song is not as um yeah. saccharine uh or as uh as as something like baby shark um even though those two songs i would say they're both they're both fun they're fun songs um but you know, so I, I think we have to just, we have to talk about the difference between those things. And I just love, you know, when Joe was talking about putting his dad, making him listen to the music that his dad liked. You know, I listened to frat rock until I was like until I had my own car, because that's what my dad forced us to listen to. I knew all the lyrics to Wooly Bully and, you know, it's, you know, you know <laughs> like ridiculous songs that, you know, like, um, you know, shout out to Sam, the Sham and the Pharaohs. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I knew those songs and that was beneficial to me to help cultivate my tastes. And I think, you know, parents shouldn't be afraid to be like, okay, here's something that I know is good. And it's going to stand the test of yeah. time. Let's listen to this, you know, whether it's good vibrations or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Just because something is old doesn't mean that it's bad. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I just want to piggyback on what Jay and, said. And even stylistically, there's been kind of a resurgence in, a lot of the music that I think you would look at is like the, the, a lot of the good stuff that's coming out today, I think is really throwing back to like 60s, 70s soul blues music. There's, there's kind of a resurgence. A, can you give us an example of what you mean by that? Um, well, okay. So like, uh, I, I'm thinking more so stuff that's not necessarily on the, the radio that radio mm -hmm. is so pop heavy. Right now, I'm thinking no more. One, no one listens to the radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking more like uh, Alabama Shakes is an example of that. Yeah. They, like you listen to them, okay. and they sound like they're they're coming straight from like '60s, '70s, like Motown, that kind of feel. And mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, other bands like that. But you can even get to like the newer. Um, uh, I'm thinking of all the North Alabama bands right now, but like. The Civil Wars is, uh, is you know, they kind of call back to that kind of folk acoustic 70s feel. So they, it, you kind of, it's cyclical. You kind of run in patterns here. And, and, and I think a, a lot of that older music shows that not only did it stand the test of time, it's influencing a lot of the music today. Mm. Yeah, any any other musicians you want to list off to us, Joe, just that are kind of inspiring you right now that you're listening to? Um, these can be, you know, explicitly Christian as well as "quote unquote" secular. Uh, I mean, again, I, I like the. I'm probably going to like a lot of music that maybe like teenagers wouldn't wouldn't love. I like the 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 storytellers who who really move you with the uh, with the stories that they're telling in the songs. There's, I mean, some of my favorites are Patty Griffin. I mean, these are like older, like you know kind of folk Americana artist. Fatty Griffin is great. Uh, there's a, there's another one. One of my friends introduced me to recently, a uh, woman called Lori McKenna, who has been a, a pretty successful country songwriter for a long time, but has a lot of stuff on her own. And, um, 
she she's just an incredible songwriter and, and, and so I, i'm listening to these people because i'm try, i'm trying to learn more and, and trying to grow and um and, and i think these are uh these are incredible incredible songwriters that that you could learn and grow a lot from in terms of just like fun music i i think that uh i think taylor swift gets a bad rap by a lot of people in in Oh, okay. So I, a lot of people love Taylor Swift in terms of just her pop music. I think that she gets a bad rap by like professionals as kind of looking down on her. It's like, oh, she's not the real deal. She's the real deal. She writes all of her own stuff. And I think some of her stuff is better than others. But um, I think I think she's she's pretty good for the most part. Do you know who else also is a pretty honest songwriter um, who is kind of out there in the mainstream culture? Um, that a lot of my students listen to is um, I, I've talked. Well, just I'll just talk about one of his particular songs. But um, John Mayer has a song called "In the Blood." Oh, which is, that song is so good. I uh, know it's such a good song, and it's a really honest song because it's just well, again, talk about narrative and story and plot mm. and all the things in there. But it's really talking about like how much of who I am is me, and how much of it is just inherited from my family and um, how much of my mom or my dad or my brothers uh, mm -hmm. and, and what percentage, you know, is, is me and what percentage is just, you know, their influence upon me. And he's got several, I mean, he's written a lot of songs and he, he gets, you know, he can, he kind of gets that Taylor Swift treatment too, but, you know, and he writes bad songs too. He writes songs that yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say are good, but um, you know, again, there's no, what Joe said's right. There's no such thing as a perfect song, but there are, you know, you know, honest songwriters out there who are writing about what is really happening in their lives. I can think of several artists like that, but um, let me ask one more question about, about music in the church as well. Could you tell us like, what are the church, what are worship songs as a songwriter? What are some worship songs that you just always fall back to. They're your favorite. They don't have to necessarily be hymns. They could be choruses or whatever. But what are what are some worship songs that you fall back to as a songwriter and say, man, these are, this is just, this struck a chord with me either because of what, where you heard it for the first time or what you were going through when you heard it or whatever. Like what, what are your, give me like your top five. People like lists. So give me your top five. Like give me your five songs okay. that really, Joe Diggins' favorite. They're not the best, you know, they're just yeah. your favorite. Ones. Yeah, I, I think that one of my favorite hymns of all time. Well, I love "Be Thou My Vision." That's always been one of my favorites. I like "Be Thou My Vision" because, from a musical standpoint, you can do it so differently. You can do all mm -hmm. sorts of different styles with that song musically. It's just mm -hmm. really well written. the The other one that I love is "Jesus, I My Cross Have Taken," which we actually mm -hmm. did on this this last album. But that. That it's, it's the most list, it's the most listened to track on the album. It is, it is right now. Um, it, it's the the lyrics are unbelievable, and um, it was you know done by Indelible Grace. So a guy named Bill Moore wrote the music to it, and the music just fits it so well. And I, that that's always been one of my favorites. Another one is We Will Feast in the House of Zion. I think that song is just about as close to perfect as you can get in terms of a corporate worship song. I mean, it's 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 simple. It's really singable. It, the, the, the melody is not complicated at all. It just, just barely moves it in it, but it, so it's, it's very memorable in that sense. It's easy to remember the melody 
and, and sing it together as a group. But it's, uh, man, that song moves me a lot. Those are my top three. I'm trying to think of a couple other ones. I mean, I, oh, I said it can, be, my... it can be top three. We like threes, Trinity and all. He's good. <laughs> He's good. Those are the first three that came to my mind. So I guess those would be like top three as I'm thinking about it right now. John, John, do you have, you can answer that question too. Well, I was going to um, say we probably should start wrapping it up. I mean, Jesus on my cross have taken, has have taken, yeah, I mean, that's probably my favorite. And then Be Thou My Vision, love that as well. I mean, that was in um, our wedding. So, yeah, that's one that's high up there uh, for sure. So those are uh, those are two. Uh, there's one, uh, my mind's going, oh, yeah, Abide With Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, um, that's a great one. Yeah, so those are some that, that kind of come to the top. For sure. Yeah. Written, written by the same guy who wrote Jesus on my cross had taken. Hmm. All What's his those? name? Is that what you said? Wait, no, no, Henry Light. Henry Light mm-hmm. wrote Abide yeah. With Me and Jesus on my cross had taken. Hmm. Yeah, so he was good. Um, the Lord blessed him. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, look, we're wrapping this up, and Kurt and I are about to give our cultural artifacts. Um, Joe, is there any kind of last just resource or idea for parents who are listening to this and are thinking, okay, kind of how do we begin some of this? I mean, you know, we've given some ideas on conversation. I mean, just personally speaking, there have been times at our house where we've uh, pulled up YouTube and have played worship songs, and we kind of sing those as a family. So that's just kind of a, a resource idea. Do you have any thoughts like that or just kind of practical advice on this as we're closing this out? YouTube YouTube is a great resource because it's got like every song you can think of. It's a great way to just go check out music. I, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> appropriate to do this. I would say that's kind of what we're trying to do with RYM is trying to produce like music and resources that you can that you can turn to as parents and and um, and lean on heavily in not just in your church but in your family. Um, Outside of that, it's music's tricky. I I, I think that um, it's something you you, you kind of have to. It's 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 kind of like being thrown in the deep end uh, without knowing how to swim. You kind of have to teach yourself a little bit how to how to really navigate music culture and how to um, how to figure out like what you know what's good and what's not and and I. I think there there is a lot of trying to figure out for yourself, but it, anyone who is listening to this right now, I think is joining into this conversation with us. And I think we would all admit too, as parents, we, we struggle in trying to navigate it. I mean, I, I even mentioned this earlier that one of the songs that my kids love the most is a, is a song that I said was not a very good song. So yeah, I'm still trying to figure that stuff out too, as a parent. But I, I think that, um, the best resource probably uh, in in all is going back to what I said at the beginning is community is having people in your life you can you can talk to and say what do you think about this song or what you know what do you do with your kids on that I, I think having community may be the best place you can turn to mm. that's good uh, well Kurt why don't you give us a cultural artifact before we close this out sure um, here's a little cultural artifact if you um if you go to Google and you type in um, and you type in, uh, hold on, let me make sure I've got it right before I before I don't want to tell them the wrong thing. Pilot forgets to attach tourist to hang glider. Oh, um, I've seen that one. 
Oh. Sure. I, um, I have watched that video multiple times. I've shown it to everyone that would look at it. Um, it's a video of a man who's on vacation in Switzerland and decides to go hang gliding. And he is the pilot forgets to attach him to the hang glider. So he just for about two minutes, he just hangs on with his hands for his life. That's a long uh-huh. two minutes. Uh, yeah, I, just just go grab something with your arms, with just your body weight, and see how long you can hang on. And just imagine that if you let go before like two minutes and twenty seconds, that you die. Um, that, that's what this guy did. And this guy's not some kind of like I would nominate him as one of the greatest athletes of our time. Um, he saved his life. He tore his bicep tendon. He held he held on so long. His bicep. Oh my tendon. goodness. Um, he broke his wrist in the fall when he eventually did let go, even though he only, he didn't fall very far, but he broke his wrist. Um, he said, yeah, you have to watch the video. The video has his commentary. Um, the video, the, the, his video, which will have the most views. I don't know his name, but his video has his own commentary on it about like what's happening. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, um, typed up on the screen. And at the end he shows like, where his injuries, he shows like how like x-rays and things like that of his injuries. But at the end, he says, I want to go hang climbing again because I didn't really get to enjoy my first time, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is just so it's such a positive thing. I love this is why I love the Internet. This is what this is what when the Internet is at its best. Many times I hate it. I think it's going to kill all of us. But this is when it's at its best is when something like this happens and it's captured <laughs> and we all get to live vicariously through this person and his yeah. near death experience. So oh pilot it, forgets to attach tourists to hang glider. There's, there's my cultural artifact. Is is that it.com pilot? Forgets no, to... no, no, no. You just type that in Google. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know how Google worked there. Um, all right. That's good, Kurt. That's a good one. Um, one that I found, if you, if you go to Google and you type in the gospel coalition, <laughs> <laughs> It'll bring you up to the gospelcoalition.org. And there is an <laughs> sorry. There's an article entitled A Simple Three Step Bible Reading Plan for Children. And it's written by Joe Carter. Um and it's exactly I mean it's pretty self explanatory. So this uh simple three step Bible reading plan for children. It's very flexible. I mean you can miss days on it, stuff like that. But parents, I mean again, as we had a, a episode recently about Bible reading, um this could be a helpful guide uh, to get your children started and to have a concrete plan uh to assist them in that. So uh that's at the gospelcoalition.org. And again, as what we've said, we'll have links to all of these in the show notes, so be sure to to check that out. Um, also, just a reminder, go to rym.org slash worship, and you can see RYM Worship's newest album entitled Promised Land um, that Joe uh, put together. Uh, there are chord charts uh, as well if you go if you go to that link, and there is a Bible study. And, you know, this entire conversation as we're talking about teaching our children, I mean, this would be great to, to buy this album and to uh, have the Bible study that goes along with it. Uh, so, Joe, thanks so much for taking the time out to uh, come on Parenting today. Uh, it's been a good conversation. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, and uh, join us next week. Kurt and I will be talking about something. We don't know what, but we'll, we'll keep you posted. All right, see you guys later. See ya. Bye.